0: This episode is sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Hey, I'm talking to the investment advisors, financial advisors, and everybody in the business because I know a lot of you are looking to add or switch custodians. Maybe you're looking to go independent. Well, Interactive Brokers provides lowest cost trading and turnkey custody solutions for all size firms. The great thing is that you can trade globally from a single unified master account with no ticket charges and no custody fees, no minimums, and no tech platform or reporting fees. Plus, IBKR has no advisory team or prop trading group to compete with you for your clients. You know what I'm talking about. You gain IBKR's free CRM, Portfolio Management and Trading Platform, plus Portfolio Analyst, which is a tool to consolidate your client's entire portfolio and automate and take care of flexible client billing. Switch to the custody solutions that work for you at IBKR.com slash RIA. Interactive Brokers is a member of SIPC.
1: The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined
0: Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is
1: sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success.
0: The U.S. economy is humming along. Better than expected, actually. But calls for rate cuts continue. Is this the year for foreign? Not so fast, says markets. And Bitcoin got post-ETF blues. Our guest today, a self-proclaimed perma-bear, is Tim Knight. All this and much more on episode number 853 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Amazingly wrapping up close to January 2024 already, heading into February. And, uh, you know, as they say, it's uh, yeah, things move fast, I know. Andrew Horowitz here, and thanks for joining me this week. We have a lot to talk about because markets are moving along pretty well. Some of the markets are moving along pretty well. In fact, I got some stats that I want to share with you because as we talk about new highs, all-time highs, and markets really doing well, this broad-based and this real, you know, this, this inclusionary, equity rally that we're seeing that they talk about so often. I'm going I'm to want to show you a few things because I have a few little flies in the ointment when it comes to some of their conversation. It's being a bit masked, as we know, from some of the major players out there. You know the names, the Microsofts, the Apples, you know, the, the NVIDIAs, all the names, Google for that matter, um, IBM did really well recently, but all the big names, scratch IBM, all the big names are really doing very well, and that is, is, is really pulling along markets pretty significantly. In fact, only one side of the market, in particular large cap growth, and that is something to pay attention to because it is not as broad-based as you would think. Even though we saw a few days where the advancers outpaced the decliners by a significant margin, there were a few days where we saw up markets when, in fact, decliners outpaced. And the importance of that is talking about the breadth of the market. How is the participation of stocks? You know, you see the markets up and you look at your portfolio and you're like, hey, ho, ho, wait, how come I'm down? How come I'm not up so much? And it's all about what's really playing and how the market is, in fact, technically created. What is the market anyway? When we look at the market, we look at, you know, an index. The S&P 500, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, you go the Russell, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. You know, that's the US. Then take your pick of sectors, whether utilities, technology, and you can even look at international. I want to get into that. I want to talk about that. I want to first mention something that's been a little bit of a a thorn in my side for a little while, and I really didn't think about talking to you about this until I saw some things over the last couple of weeks happen, And, and and it pertains to something a little bit obscure, but it may be something that has happened to you because I see this, More often than i like to. And I'm going to hurt some people's feelings here. I'm sorry. And I'm going to, for those of you that are in, um, you know, with a, a insurance advisor that also says, hey, by the way, I can do your investments for you. And throws you into a insurance advisor's type of mutual fund portfolio that they never do anything with, except for tell you they're watching it. And charging you a fee, this is is something you really need to look into. If you are, are someone who has that, I really want you to take a moment and think about what it is and the expertise of the insurance agent. Now, by the way, it would be the same discussion I would have with you if you were looking to buy insurance from an investment dude or gal or dudette. The fact is, We want to really focus in on who has the expertise in the area that they're working in. Would you get your electrical done by a plumber? I mean, I don't think so. Why are you getting your insurance from your investment guy, per se, or why are you getting your investments from an insurance gal? Just because they have the availability and the licensure to do so does not necessarily mean that they have the expertise. Something that I want you to look at, if you have a portfolio— That is from an insurance brokerage. I want you to ask yourself, is that the best that you could do? What are the alternatives? Is there someone who specializes in investments that I should be talking to? And and more so, what are the fees I'm paying for this? And that is where I really started to think about, you know what? I need to bring this to my audience because I looked at a variety of these insurance-based, quote-unquote, investment portfolios, not even the annuities. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about just the strict mutual funds. These were high-priced, non-institutional mutual funds, some ETFs in there, but the names inside of there were aligned with the insurance company themselves. You know what I'm talking about, proprietary. Proprietary types of funds. If that is something you have, I'd strongly suggest you just do a review of what it is that you have and think about again, am I paying too high in fees overall for what I'm actually getting? And again, this came to me because recently, for whatever reason, this happens, it just always happens this way. There's a lot of something that happens. And and I saw a few of these insurance based, uh, insurance agent based portfolios, and I asked the question, you know, what are they doing? And the client said to me, well, you know, I don't know. It's been the same way for like five years. There's no changes. Not even rebalancing. I said, not rebalancing? No. I said, well, do they talk to you about this? Well, I get, you know, quarterly statements from it. And then I looked at the fees. I'm like, wow. The advisory fees on this, because they have to split it usually with the house. That's something to pay attention to as well. And the independence is not there either. Because now... You have nobody looking over the other shoulder of the other party. That's why it's great when you have a CPA, for example, that you're involved in that can look at the investment advisor's uh, portfolio and the investment advisor can maybe take a a handle on, on what's happening from a tax standpoint and everybody works together in tandem. You don't want the anesthesiologist doing the surgery. You don't want the surgeon doing the anesthesiology. You don't want the plumber doing the electrical work. You want the investment guys and gals doing the work what they're assigned to do, your insurance people assigned to what they're supposed to be doing. And it goes like that. Something to think about. And now switching gears a little bit, let's talk a little bit about this. Oh, the idea that this is this broad based rally that everything is participating and all things are good. And you know, not to worry because it is a market rally that is really um, more than just six or seven different stocks. well, I'm going to throw some cold water on that for a minute, because when we look at what happened last year, in the end of 2023, clearly the initial move up was on a few stocks, because the market cap weighted indices that really favored the big names. Of course, the things like high market cap, well, what do you think about Apple and Microsoft? Of course, Microsoft, the number one size company in the world right now, and we think about uh, Tesla. Back in the days when they were doing well, we think about NVIDIA, we think about the Primarily, mostly the tech companies out there. Well, that fell down on its face right at the start of January. And now all of a sudden, it's recovering very substantially where everybody's got the AI bug bug once again, firmly rooted in their investment thesis, not letting any of these go down. In fact, it's been days since we've seen any retreat on any of these stocks, particularly names like AMD and, and NVIDIA. And you look at Intel, which is a little bit softer, not as good. But the, the, the names that are, are really ticking along very nicely, like I uh, can't get enough of it, no matter what their financials are showing and what the outlook could possibly be, is like, you know, they're going to go up forever. Trees don't grow to the sky, but you know what? AI stocks do. That's, that's the message that we're getting right now. When, when you look at the domestic markets, let's start there first, because the domestic markets are outpacing the international And we look at whether or not it's a broad-based rally or not. We just really break it down by sectors. Even though a lot of stocks are participating, the fact is that this year to date, we have the S&P 500s up about 2.5%, give or take. The financials are up 2.1%. Healthcare is up about a percent. Tech is up a whopping 6% when we look at the ETFs that are representative of those particular sectors. On the other hand, that's it. That's where it stops. Consumer staples are down, industrials are down, home builders are down, telecom, energy, materials, consumer discretionary is down 4.5%, utilities down 4.6%. Now, yes, I'll give you the fact that the utilities don't make up a big component of the overall S&P. Who cares? I'm with you. I got it. It's also showing us that the reason why we're seeing some of this, and particularly when it comes to, for example, consumer discretionary, you have to wonder, you know, are consumers spending? Now, we saw a good GDP print. We saw a decent uh, print on overall spending. Retail sales came in a little bit more concerning, but yet still pretty solid overall, but there are signs that something's cracking at different structures of the economic spectrum. Depending on where you are will depend on if you're spending or not, if you're in, let's say, uh, the, the the level of, you know, top 25 percent of wealth you're spending. You don't care. And markets are doing well. You got good interest on your money markets. Who cares? Let's go. If you're in the lower strata, much different. While oil price came down, that was good. Still elevated a bit. Prices, though, on everything, even though they're not escalating like they were, we don't have the inflation that we've seen. We're still not seeing deflation. We're not seeing prices move down. Big issue. Now, when it comes to the world, where are we? But again, the U.S. is the year. When we talk about each and every year at the beginning of the year, hey, and ask the question, is this the year that we're going to see foreign outpace the U.S.? Ah, it's going to be here. It's probable. I mean, valuations look good. Not so fast. And I say that because it's just not happening. Oh, okay. We're only three weeks into into 2024, Andrew. I get it, right? Okay, would slow down a little bit. Still an opportunity. Did you see what happened in China over the last week? That rebound. Oh well, yeah, but let's take a look at the numbers. We're seeing Turkey up six point nine percent. That's great until you realize they increase their lending rate the prime rate and their fed funds rate to 45% because inflation is ticking up at 65% real rate of return on stocks is like a negative 50%. Right? <laughs> if you have inflation and your money is moving down at that pace your stocks going up doesn't mean anything. Let's just put that aside. Forget about Turkey. Let's look at Japan. Been on fire. Hitting multi-decade highs, up 2.79% this year. That's great. But again, the S&P 500, where is it? Up 2.5. So while the the Japanese ETF, symbol EWJ, is actually beating U.S. and Philippines is doing okay, that's where it ends. Let me throw this out at you, right? The emerging market ETF, down 3.5% this year. Taiwan, down 2%. Uh, Brazil, down uh, 5%. We're seeing that China, the large cap, the FXI, there's more of the Hong Kong, down 5.6%. Africa down six. Hong Kong itself, the actual Hong Kong ETF, down seven. South Korea down 10%. Europe, doing okay. Not great. Fact is that when we look around the world, particularly at at, at areas that are um, smaller, emerging, right now, and in the last couple of years, comparatively, on a relative basis compared to the U.S., have not been holding up. That's something to think about and something to really consider when we look at where the valuations and values are. Talked about this with Faber, for example, not too long ago. We talked about where's the real value in the markets right now. And I got to tell you something, the more the markets in the U.S. move up, which I do like, we do participate in that, our client portfolios are heavily weighted, the more I keep on moving and thinking about, you know what? Let's start thinking about the valuation and the relative opportunity in areas outside the U.S. Because when they move, they could really move. Whether this year is the year for it or not, another story. But my thought is that you want to be involved. So my two cents on that. And with that, we're going to get to our guest. But before I do so, I want to talk about interactive brokers. Because did you know that interactive brokers clients earn up to 4.83% on their uninvested, instantly available USD cash balances. In fact, you have to ask yourself, how much interest is your broker able to pay you? Because Interactive Brokers has a prudent and conservative risk management that uniquely positions IBKR to pay you far higher interest. And that's just one of the reasons, many, many reasons, that clients use Interactive Brokers to trade stocks and bonds and options, futures, currencies, funds, and more. Of course, rates are subject to change. Visit IBKR.com interest rates to learn more. So let's get to our guest today. And our guest today is Tim Knight. He's, uh, he's been charting and trading since 1987. In fact, his, stir- his first stock trade was, listen to this, October 19th of 1987, the day of the crash, which I, I guess is why he has a disposition towards bearishness. He's been involved in personal computers since 79, and starting at age 16, he began writing a couple of dozen books about using and programming computers. His most recent writing has been focused on charting of the history of financial markets, including the newest books, Panic, Prosperity, and Progress, and more recently, Silicon Valley Babel," On and Solid State, his first novel. So he's been running The Slope of Hope since uh, 2005, and has during that time written more than 30,000 posts and articles on that site. In uh, 92, he founded Profit. So this is where I want to make sure you're clear on his, his abilities, right? He he founded a web-based technical analysis company that was acquired by Investools and then eventually Ameritrade um, in January 2005. And he served as Senior VP of Technology for Investools from 05 to 2010. He's been on Barron's and all that. And besides running the Slope of Hope, he also hosts The Daily Show on the Tasty Trade Network, Tasty Live, in fact, Trading Charts with Tim Knight. So let's welcome Tim Knight. So welcome, Tim. How are you? I, you know, all things considered, I'm doing okay. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, uh, you don't know this, but I'm going to quiz you anyway. Do you know the last time that you were a guest on the show?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that you're going to tell me that it was at the exact top of the market before a major inflection point, but I seriously have no idea. It
0: was February 2013. February uh, 2013. I don't know what that particular uh, date was, but in, in in the market, in any particular market cycle, but that's what it was. And the title of it was, uh, it was something like uh, Bear. Tim Knight. Now that's one of the things we're going to talk about because you and I talked about this back and forth and I thought it'd be a great time to come on. And one of our emails went back and forth and says, look, Hey, listen, I'm a pervert bear. Everybody knows that. Or at least you told me that, right? I mean, it's not like a secret. Nope. Uh, and, um, yeah, I want to talk about that, but I said, you know, we planned this months ago, maybe February feels like it could be something. That's what I said. Right. So, (laughs) but but.
1: here we're, well, wait now, just a moment now that I was, I was distracted for like a key 1.5 seconds when you told me the date, what was the date of the prior interview?
0: February, 2000, the exact date, February, 2013.
1: Oh, okay. Well that doesn't ring any bells in terms of a major market event, but wow, it's been that long. I I thought we did this
0: a couple of years ago. Goodness. At least that's what my system shows. Yikes. Okay.
1: Well, anyway, yeah, it's it's another uh, lifetime high. As I'm staring at the screen now, it's it's green all the way through Mm -hmm. and um, uh, amazing. Uh, the the market remains defiant.
0: Yeah, and that's actually how it's been. Oh, but although, listen, this is our, well, we can look at this a different way. This is our ten year anniversary, getting together. Oh, you know, and, that's well, how is, I, right? I didn't, I didn't bring you anything. I'm Fair. sorry. <laughs> well, I want to talk about. Let, let's do some defining. Let Let's talk about. What's a perma bear, bear anyway? What does that mean? <laughs>
1: uh, uh, a broke guy. I don't know. Let's see. How should we say this? Um, This is an interesting topic because it's something I've given a lot of thought to over the course of my life. Um, I think, you know, the most people would agree a perma bear is someone who is is always, you know, is is always declaring, like, this is it. This is the top. everything's going to fall from here. And it could be, you know, you could point to any asset. It could be a crypto bear or precious metals or stocks, what have you. And, you know, my my sort of 90,000-foot view is that... um, The markets really changed. And prior to, certainly prior to 2008, and certainly, certainly, certainly prior to 1987, the market was really cyclic and, you know, it was almost like a sine wave. So you could see these broad sweeps up and down. And it kind of made sense to to be inclined to bullishness or bearishness because you would always have your day in the sun. Um, The past, um, gosh, uh, you know, 15 years. It's been pretty much a disaster to be a bear. Um, I'm I'm doing okay, incredibly. I'm not quite sure why, but um, it's uh, obviously uh, almost any stock you buy, and certainly if it's like an Apple or an Nvidia or a Meta, you just buy it and you forget it and you do great. Uh, so a, a perma bear, on the whole, is is very kind of skeptical, discerning, critical, and looking for why everybody else is wrong. That you know. The the funny thing about contrarianism is that everyone thinks they're a contrarian, which by definition is impossible. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, people pride themselves in sort of like bucking the crowd. But you know the crowd is the crowd, and on the whole, most of the components of the crowd do not buck themselves.
0: Well, that's so, that's what you're saying, though. If yeah. it, I think I think the point is that that in the past fifteen years, the idea of being contrarian, the idea of trying to Find those inflection points has become much more difficult, and in a way, it's just much easier. Just oh, throw in the towel already. And maybe we've been beaten into submission,
1: right? Yeah, that the exactly. cycle is
0: broken, and then just screw it. Just go. Just just
1: yeah. Uh, well, it's funny, you know. I'm I'm a I'm a queer beast because I, I live right here in Palo Alto. I'm in the Silicon Valley. You know, three blocks from my house, Tim Cook lives, Marissa Meyer lives, Mark Zuckerberg lives. I'm I'm surrounded by billionaires who've made their fortunes from tech, um, and I'm this weirdo. And the thing is that a lot of people have this notion that short sellers and bears are like, you hate America, or you hate business. I am the most pro-capitalist, pro-free enterprise. You know, I, I built and sold my own small business. Um, I-, I I I love uh, good old-fashioned American capitalism, you know, classic style. So it's nothing to do with that. But th- I think. can, in can I interrupt of-
0: you for a second? Sure. The idea of loving capitalism goes with shorting because you have yeah, to believe- <laughs>
1: Yeah, God bless you. It sure does.
0: Right, because you have to believe that the yeah. very nature of true and pure capitalism is that there are those companies that will 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 sur- will win, will survive, will thrive, and those that will fail. For one reason, it doesn't matter the reason, but that is the basic nature of capitalism. Capitalism is yeah. not every single company will survive due to the fact they get a lifeline from some uh, agency of the government.
1: Yes, absolutely. And of course, the whole banking sector is far and away the most guilty of that. Um, you know, it, 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 I was amazed yesterday, and we're, we're recording this, uh, you know, some days before your broadcast, but uh, to, to see the BTFP program was going to uh, reach its termination. And, you know, most of your listeners, you know, are acquainted with this. This is the Yellen vehicle that was introduced, I think, March 11, 2023, in the midst of Silicon Valley Bank and, and all the other catastrophes. And I I sort of cynically thought that, well, this is just going to get extended in perpetuity. Um, And incredibly, you know, for the moment, I'll believe it when I see it, they're saying they're just going to let it expire. But it really turns my stomach when uh, an outside force, usually the government comes in to sort of save the day, because it's, you know, there's a reason we're $34 trillion in debt. Um, And... Uh, you know the the thing with the going back to the whole perma bear thing is is you, you sort of see themselves as the crazy old man and the standing in the park saying you know you'll see you'll see there'll come a day but that's kind of where I'm coming from um, because it is it, I, my my kids I drive crazy because you know I I'm I always have the old fashioned bromides and sayings and such but there really <laughs> is no such thing as a free lunch and eventually the chickens come home to roost and fill in whatever other silly little sayings you want but. It, it, is, it is not this easy. It really is not this easy. And I remember so well in 1999, the cover of Fortune Magazine, there was a cartoon, and the, 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 uh, the title was The Wine of 99. Wine spelled W-H-I-N-E, The Wine of 99. And the man in the cartoon was saying, everyone's getting rich except for me. And that really was the zeitgeist because um, NASDAQ was going insane And the thing is that you and I are speaking in January of 2024. If this was January 2000 uh, and I'd been fighting this crazy NASDAQ bull market and, you know, had been dealing with like, Jesus, you're missing out. And, you know, why aren't you buying, uh, you know, bill on the blank Yahoo or what have you. Um, And I could just wiggle my finger and say, you'll see, you'll see. The fact is that the NASDAQ went up another like 40% in the next like two months. Before it actually went down ninety percent. So it's it's really tough to see. Like when will the mania end?
0: And then if but, the mania ends and it yeah. goes down 40%, let's just give you that number, right? So the yeah. NASDAQ goes up 40% one year, and you miss out on that because you're not you, but the general concept of right. being a bear and you're just fighting it. And maybe you're either not participating in it, or God forbid you're fighting the whole way, right? You know, you short yeah. the whole way. Um yeah. and then you're right on the other side. But would you agree, I'm not trying to change your mind about anything, I just want to talk through this. Uh Uh, Wouldn't you agree that even historically through the cyclical nature of the markets, that generally speaking, that markets have been up, uh, well, we know they are because they're not at the bottom, right? So markets have been up more than they have been down markets now, not maybe a (laughs) stock here or there.
1: Oh, no, listen, I'll tell you a little anecdotes. My my beloved son, um, my first child, I think, I honestly think he was like nine. Um, And I was trying to describe, you know, shorting stocks and so forth. And this little kid said something like, well, why wouldn't you just buy something since things tend to go up anyway? You know, like from the mouths of babes, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's absolutely right. So, and I I, I tell, and the thing is like, it's way too late for any sort of victory lap. I mean, the Dow could fall 20,000 points this year. Believe, I, I swear on this program, I'm putting my hand on the Bible, you know, I would not be like, see, told you so. Honestly, you know, when I've been fighting the market this long, forget it. You know, it, it would be cool, but there's no victory lap under any circumstance. There's no doubt about it that just just throwing money any year at the market and just kind of not doing anything with it is the way to go. I'll throw you another anecdote. Um, my My departed father, he never made much money. And he didn't have any expenses either there went to public schools and all that other stuff. he, he really just kind of scraped by mm-hmm. and somehow in the latter portion of his life uh, he amassed a lot of money and it was just because he just kind of threw money in the market and just let it sit and you know uh, and he didn't really start investing till he was like 60 65 Wow, wow. and it was it was like a lot. And that sort of was proof positive to me. Like, well, first of all, not all of us knights are, you know, cursed. Uh, secondly, <laughs> you know, my my dad can wait till he's like elderly and start doing this and and do really well. Um, Nvidia, of course, is the, you know, completely zany one. Yesterday, just for kicks, uh, I calculated, and this is just a silly experiment, but I calculated um, $10,000 in Nvidia at the IPO would be worth 17 million now. And just for the hell of it, 600,000 would be worth a billion, mm. you know. Mm. Um, it, because there's a page on our on my site, um, slopeofhope.com, uh, that I made years ago. It's called Woulda, Shoulda, Coulda. And uh, all, all you do is just punch in a symbol, a dollar amount, and a date, and it says, you know, hey, Jack, ask if you had bought this amount on this date. It's now worth this much. And it's really fascinating, because, like, it's easy to say, oh, no, it's worth 17 million. The cool thing about the page is that it'll tell you your maximum drawdown. And, like, with, whether it's Amazon or NVIDIA, the drawdown is usually, like, 92%. And so you can say to yourself, um, yeah, if I had a time machine, I would be rich, but would I have really just crossed my arms and waited for this thing to drop 92% and just said, uh-uh, no, I'm not budging. And, you know, it's worth 8% what it was earlier, but who cares? And then it goes up again. That's why we're not all billionaires, because I don't think it's part of human nature to just buy something and say, like, all right, uh, check with me in 20 years, and let's see how that's going. we is just like, I made a 5% profit, I'm out, yay, you know, and that
0: <laughs> So as a Another point about this though that I'm always really fascinated about is let's say that in any given year you are proved 100% right, you know, to yourself, not to anybody else, to yourself. That right. I saw this 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 stock. Let's just stay on Nvidia for the hell of it because Nvidia is, you know, obviously the poster tri- child for for you know, harkening uh, back to the 2000s, early 2000s, right? right? It just goes up every day whether the news is good or bad. And, um, you know, right now, everybody believes that, I guess, trees do,
1: you know... Uh-huh. Go, get, to sky, go to the sky, sky. Yeah. But,
0: okay, that's fine. Okay, you know, everybody... It's the old Dell adage, you know, that everybody's going to seemingly have six Dell desktops on their desk to meet right. the, the, the current demand. But, okay, AI, you know, is going to take over, NVIDIA and all that. Okay, you're right. You're right. That NVIDIA slows down. There's something, a hiccup that happens. It's down 25% from some analyst downgrade. They're no longer allowed to sell to China. And their chips aren't as great as they were, but the, you know, do yes. you ever stop and say, okay, let me collect my profits here. Or let me say that I was right about that, but okay, fine. The future still looks bright <laughs> for them. And then I go back to, dare I say the, the other side, right? The, the, right. the non bear side, whether it's a stock or it's a market, when do you flip ever, right. if ever, if you don't ever flip, yeah. if you never flip, no, I'm not, there's not a lesson. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to understand if you never flip either way, if you're always bullish, you're always bearish. Obviously, we know, because you just flushed this out, that being bullish from the mouth of babes is uh long term from your from your dad, you know, the way to amass wealth. Okay, fine. But if you are always bullish or always bearish on the totality of it all, how does that help anybody? Yeah, I know. No, you're
1: absolutely right. And you know, the reason we're not doing this interview in the soup kitchen is because, you know, <laughs> I, I ironically, Mr. Pirmabe here, you know, obviously most of whatever, whatever wealth I have is like long, so to speak. So like, you know, I own my house, I own some investment properties, I, I own stock in a, um, uh, a startup and so on. Uh, so it's not like, uh, honey, we can't eat tonight because we're broke again. You know, so the, fun- the thing people find surprising is that the, the amount of money that I've got, like on the bear side is just vanishingly small. I mean, frankly, it's just because I love charting and I like to keep things interesting and I lose interest if I don't have any skin in the game at all. But uh, So that that's just like, you know, why, um, why I've been able to survive this craziness. As far as the like bullish and bearish, you know, clearly the most successful traders, and th- this is like a virtue that traders seek, they are um, flexible, adaptive, reflexive, whatever adjective you want to use in terms of like uh, I, I used to work for a very famous trader and he would he would make it he would describe it as akin to like surfing, um, you know, mm-hmm. really just riding the waves. And um, uh, the thing is, you know funny thing that in the rare instances that we do get a uh, uh, rock'em sock'em bear market that lasts more than like a day, you know the most recent of which uh, spanned from November 2021 to June 2022. and I had a grand old time if you had been checking in with me, then I'd be castigating myself nonstop for getting out too soon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like finally, finally, finally. And that that's the poison of this. And, and it, can, it can go into your question. It can make going from bullish to bearish tough. Once you get sort of used to the market going a certain way, you get very skittish. And so like, you know, if it's November, 2021, it's like, you know, well, I've been losing, you know, since um, since Hammurabi was king, uh, <laughs> but finally the market's falling, you know, and you get after losing, 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 you get like a 7% profit or something. You get out and pat yourself on the back. Then it goes on like a, you know, 300% profit. You lose your mind.
0: You know, it's, so, it, it's interesting you know, It's interesting about this because uh, it, it almost seems like, you know, you talk about the contrarian side of things. It almost seems like, you know, if you are to be surfing, right, and you find that cut to try to, uh, you know, move the other direction, and then you are inclined to be long. You say, hey, wait a second, you know, things are turning and you get in on that on the uh, right side and you start moving down. The one thing that has always been fascinating to me is when is that happen, Right. That turn. And yeah. usually it's. I think a lot of people will get in there on, on the wrong side too early, whether the stock is down, you get in a little bit too early, then you get frustrated and you get out or don't add on to it either side. Either side of the equation, right? Stock, you're like, okay, finally turned. Oh my gosh, it's down seven percent. I'm out. Meanwhile, right. wait, you didn't, you didn't let the the wave progress. Yeah, <laughs> and that and that's yeah. a very difficult thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, the the human brain is really not wired to make money in the markets. I, I heard an interview yesterday um, from a from a fellow, a very famous trader, who was talking about his early days trading, and he was, uh, I think he was like long gold or something like that. I don't know if he was long or short, but it doesn't matter the story. The thing is the position was going against him and it was, he was in a big losing position, but he wanted to double the size of it. And he went to his boss, you know, kind of risk management and said, can I do this? He says, sure. But before you do, close out your existing position, then go back in. He's like, well, that seems ridiculous. Why would I bother? But okay. And so he did, he closed the position. And then he's like, you know what? I'm out. You know, I'm not going to do it. And it was, you know, the manager was, the manager was wise because he knew that basically you reset your disposition instead of like, damn it, I'm going to, I'm going to average down and, you know, I'm going to get them and cetera. But once you're like flat and you, it let your brains allowed to like be objective. It's like, wait, dummy, no, this is not a good trade. And uh, so I thought that was an interesting anecdote about how our minds play with us. And in terms of the whole Burma Bear thing, I just want to say it, it's I want to say like this is very clumsy, but it's more like perma different or like a, the contrarian thing. Because you know, I'll give you an example. If you said like right now, you know, give me your best guess in 10 years, what's be the most valuable company in the world? Yes. I I would actually say, you know, I think Tesla. That seems crazy. That seems crazy because first of all, you know, it's run by this guy that a lot of people can't stand, but worse yet. You know, of the Magnificent Seven, six of them have been setting the world on fire. They make new highs every day. And Tesla is down 55% Mm -hmm. from its peak. Its price is equal to what it was in November 2020. So there's been like 32 months of 0% growth. It's a dog. And people don't say Mag 7 anymore. It's like the Mag 6 now. Super 6. Super 6. Yeah. Super 6. So, and I'm not choosing it. Uh, okay, super. Sad. that's see, you're you're ahead of the curve. I didn't know that was a new term, but oh, got it. Um, but in terms of like, uh, you know, it was like, are you nuts? You know, you're, you're going to choose this pig as like your pick. It's like, well, I've got you know, because the thing, and I think I think that um, if I may phrase the bears a bit, I think one thing that sets them apart is they they really try to take the the macro slash history slash social mores uh, into account because if I had any sense at all, I'd probably stop, stop equities and just be with crypto because crypto, I dabbled in, I did pretty well with it, but it's much more in my mind a pure market. Um, and it's really cool because if you're a student of history, especially market history, and you saw the same thing I did, it's like ETFs, 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 and in the back of my mind, and I said this on my program daily, it's like, um, you know, probably in the millisecond these things are rolled out, that's gonna be the top for a while, and that's exactly what happened. They got to about Bitcoin, got to about 50,000, a dozen Bitcoin ETFs came out and the thing fell, um, I think like $11,000, which
0: by the way, makes no sense. Although I have said very publicly that the Bitcoin ETF rollout, the acceptance of Bitcoin in an ETF as a mainstream investment now should really piss off the Bitcoin absolutists, you know, whereas it was a, uh, Kind of a private, a secretive, a uh, you know, change the world. Accept it as a currency. It's going now. It just went mainstream. It should be totally, and, and, and it blows the whole cover off what this is. Which, in my opinion, is just a speculative investment. All the other parts, you know, the 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 wealth, uh, you know, a st- stable uh, a storage of wealth, uh, or 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 a or transaction payment uh, alternative. No. No,
1: it's not. I, I, you know, I grappled with this for a long time because, you know, I, I consider myself pretty much on the cutting edge of tech, even at my older age now. Um, you know, th- through my whole life, I've been a very, very early adopter. And with Bitcoin, it's like, okay, maybe I'm so old now that I'm just stupid and I can't figure things out anymore. And I read books and I read articles. I thought about. it, I talked to people. And it's just like, man, my my skull is so thick. I'm just not getting it. And then it finally hit me that, like, oh, wait a second. This is a gambling token. Yes, the entire, the, exactly. The, the entire crypto industry is a is a gambling token. It wasn't designed as such, but people get their gambling yah out. They 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 get the, their heart pumping, and they can persist, participate in this very very liquid, you know, 24 Yeah, four a.m. You're
0: up on a Saturday night. You're all jazzed yeah. up. You go
1: right. <laughs> and um, the the this sort of libertarian. Notion that it's wrapped around, and or or like the the utility of these things is like no no nobody and it's a giant you know,
0: PR campaign is what that was. Yeah,
1: well, I, listen, I I would love this because like you read these stats that to me seem completely implausible. I've seen it more than once about like you know we did a survey and fifty seven percent. Of um Americans own crypto in some kind. It's like, no, they don't. No, they don't. I live in Palo Alto. This is the center of the tech universe. I could stop a hundred people on the street and say, do you own crypto? If five of them said yes, I'd be surprised. Yeah. 57%? Yeah. What?
0: I want to read you some names and tell me what uh, you think. Uh, and, and and let's bring this all together, a thought process here. Okay, ready? Okay, sure. Jesse Livermore, Jim Chenos, Andrew Left, David Einhorn. John Paulson, Bill Ackman, Carson Block, George Soros.
1: Okay. Do you want me to pick a name and talk about it? No, nope, I'm going to tell
0: work? you what do they have in common.
1: I'll tell you. I'll tell you what they have in oh, common.
0: Oh, okay. 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 Eight most form- famous short sellers in history. Now, ah. Jesse Livermore is dead, but that's another story entirely. Went bankrupt several times, right? Yes. Okay. Jim Chanos, not doing so well closing up his fund. Right. Andrew Left has, uh, it was, it uh, seems to have gone, actually, I think uh, Andrew Left and maybe Carson Block, too. Bill Ackman, as well, have really kind of ditched the whole short idea. Yes. David Einhorn, I I think he's a gambler. He plays both sides of that. John Paulson uh, was a one-hit wonder. Gold, gold, gold. Yep. Okay, and, and no, and well, that, that forgive, forgive me. Gold was the th- next thing that was going to be. I, that's not where
1: he made his fortune. Yeah, he made his fortune in the crisis. financial crisis. Yeah, but and, and so I, I beg your pardon for like screwing up history there. But that, <laughs> then the, his his act two was going to be gold.
0: Yes, and that didn't play out very well for him either. And George Soros, we'll just leave that name there. But one thing they have in all in common is that they're not. They they were the most famous short sellers. Many of them either changed their stripes. Again, yeah. I'm not doing this as as a as a look. At you. I, I'm all in for the shorting. I mean, we right. got short positions on our portfolios right now. I'm yeah. all in for hedging. I, I, I'm I'm all in it. I'm also having this discussion with you, not at you, but with you, right? Talking yeah. this. Oh yeah. Talking this through here. Um, what I want to know is from you, because you are uh, a technician, a market technician, chartist. Where do you when you look at because you can't these days and i'm sure you'd agree with this you can't look at a fundamentals as the as the as the reason why because if you did you can get blown out and 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 just absolutely face trampled when the rescue squad comes out
1: oh like the fact amd has a pe of 1300 i think it's yeah. more like
0: 1700 today and uh probably so uh, and i'm It'll sure i'm short sure that stock by the way just as a uh, uh, point uh, uh
1: yes yeah, it's uh, yeah about 1400 now so yeah in the year like uh 3500 will earn that out no problem yeah yeah,
0: yeah it's a long term t- long term play it's a long term <laughs> it's an investment not yeah, a trade. exactly how do you ev- identify bearish setups like what do you look for okay.
1: yeah so uh yeah definitely not fundamentals uh my my entire philosophy about charting is that every morsel of public information is, uh, actually every every morsel of information period is in it um and i think charts can be quite prescient in a way um you know, and so I don't. I don't. I, you know, the P stuff is kind of a funny to look at sometimes. to see how goofy they are, but it, it's kind of meaningless. And I'm, I, I'm just not a fun little guy at all. So I'm a kind of classic Edwards and McGee sort of pattern guy. Um, you know, the the general, and, and and this will tie back to my my gritting my teeth over like government interference. The general principle behind it is that human nature is immutable and repeats through time. Um, and that left to its own devices, you can see the human spirit, if you will, sort of expressing itself through the motion of a chart. Um, and you know, I emphasize left to its own devices. You know, the natural supply demand uh, flows for a given instrument. The other cool thing about it is that any given instrument has its personality. Um, you know, I can look at a chart and see if it's uh, you know to me tradable or not. Um, because uh, there there are some charts which, frankly, you know, like they do nothing but go up year after year, decade after decade. God bless them. It's just not interesting to me. I'm looking for, you know, Tesla is a great example right now because, um, you know, for weeks I've been talking to people. And I used to not be the Fibonacci's very much, but I would like I've been completely obsessed with the Fibonacci's in Tesla, and um, I had said just yesterday before earnings came out. You know, if the following happens, you know, look out below. And that's exactly what took place because I'm looking for key areas of, you know, support and resistance, massing of ownership. So it's a combination of pattern recognition, clusters of activity, which denote clear support and resistance levels. Um, You know, for me, the the toughest, almost impossible kind of thing to divine, is the kind of market we're in right now, which is where you're getting new highs all the time whether you're talking about, as you just said, AMD or SMH, the semiconductor index or NVIDIA, it's just like, God knows. I mean, if God himself came down and said, Hey, guess what? In a year from now, NVIDIA will be $5,000 a share. I have no, no reason to to uh, dispute that because the the you know there's nothing holding it back. When you have no overhead supply and when there's nothing but zeal about a particular financial instrument, the, the sky's the limit until such time as like people are exhausted from the buying and then, you know, then people just get just wiped out. Well, they
0: just sell everything else and put it in NVIDIA. That's what they're doing.
1: Right. Uh, so <laughs> what I find way more interesting is uh, charts with a lot of history to them, and they sort of express their personality, their nature, how they behave, if they have a propensity to base and, or top out, uh, you know, kind of chart-friendly uh, type, of, uh, type of instruments. And, you know, Tesla's a great example of that these days, whereas NVIDIA, even Mr. Perma here, I would not go near it with a 50-foot whole. Um and give you one last NVIDIA example. You know, it, you know, only earlier this month, let me find the exact day because I'm curious. Um, there's a trend line that goes back for forever, goes back to their IPO. And as of January 10, 2024, it had butted right up against the trend line. And, you know, I said, well, that really should be it. Um because this is a long, strong trend line. It like Flipped its middle finger at me and just kept going. And so it, and I didn't, I didn't touch it, but it went from like it was at five forty six when it was at the trend line, and as we're talking right now, it's at six twenty six. And so um, yeah, I stay away from stuff that's just. Um, but you defy. also have to look. You have
0: to look at, you have to look at things like um, you know some of the recent action, and for whatever the reason, whether there's still stimulus in the system, whether it's the the, the general nature of um, optimism of the future. Uh, if things get really bad, people believe it's going to be bailed out, which time and time again, that has proven to be the fact. That has proven right. to be the fact. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and most recently in March of 2023. Um, you look <laughs> at what's going on in Israel. Israel's stock market dropped for two weeks, three weeks, and it came right back. Yeah. And you got to think that, you know, China, which is down dramatically this year. I, just, I was just looking at some numbers. Um, yes. You know, uh, Hong Kong was down 7.5% this year. It's down, I don't know, 25% over the last Three months, four months, five months, whatever it is, a year, whatever, some ridiculous amount of money, yeah. uh, uh, amount of time, it's down. Uh, you know, is that a place to bet on? In fact, uh, we did add that for for portfolios. We had a, a position in China and uh, boosted up oil recently, as opposed to uh, precious metals. I guess the point is that you know you have to look at those trends and also both sides of the trends, right? That's what you're saying, and look at well, you know, yeah, support I mean, levels like and the, resistance. The
1: whole- the the China U.S. thing is a is a is a great example because you know earlier today I saw an overlay of those two markets and it it, it it's like they're mirror images mm-hmm. and, and it's not like China I mean it's not like China's been just sitting back saying well you know we want to be real capitalists let's just let it do the you know quite the opposite short selling has been banned hundreds of billions of U.S. dollars equivalent have been thrown at the market the government is buying ETFs directly. Uh, you know, every all kind about six different programs have been announced in the past week, and it bounced like for a few days. Then it started falling. It's just stalled out again. Well, a
0: lot of the people it, are really concerned about the housing. And you know, I read another article yeah. that you probably have seen also. A lot of people, even though Bitcoin is and, and crypto is banned in, in in China, they're finding ways somehow to get around it, which is always the case, right?
1: Yeah, no. I've, around the corner from my house is a little cottage. It's about nine hundred square feet. And it's on half an acre. And I remember back in 2016, some China national paid $10 million for it. Ooh, and it's nice. been empty. I walk my dogs by it every morning. It's empty ever since. Oh. So they will find some place to stash their cash. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, so, you know, person looking at the China-US graph, you know, a person could draw in the extreme one of two conclusions. Either A, well, look at what the US has done. China's going to wake up and smell the ca- uh, coffee and start to rock and roll too. So let's get China while it's cheap. Or two, Uh, China's more indicative of like where the market should be and the U S is crazily overvalued. And that's going to, you know, these are going to converge.
0: You know, Um, that's funny. You mentioned that because for years and and I, you know, I haven't really studied this, but I've just, you know, sometimes your brain can see things, you know, I'm talking about right on charts and
1: yes. Yes. That's my whole life. Yeah. There's
0: a weird (laughs) lagging thing with China and U S that I've seen. There's like Mm. China goes down first and then recovers faster or, or, than, than let's say U.S. I've yeah. seen this time and time again in history where China seems to be a leading for whatever reason. I'm not saying they're smarter, uh, but for whatever reason, we saw this during the pandemic, we saw this during the financial crisis, we saw this in a variety of times where China almost like took the brunt and then was like three or four or five months ahead of where we were. Maybe you can check huh. that out, but that's that's what I saw in the that, past. Yeah, that that is that is very interesting. Well, you know, I, I
1: think if we do this over a lifetime- uh, it can become it can become as engrossing as the most devout religious fanatic because you know it is just like well it's a chart so what it's like no there's not a so what this is the entire human experience mm-hmm. this this is history this is politics this is society this is technology it's basically everything that makes Earth Earth boils down to what goddamn Nvidia is doing or anything else <laughs> you know to me it's endlessly fascinating right. and. Uh, you know, it, it can even go into the realm of like, you know, what is human nature and uh, and psychology and all the rest of it. So it's it's uh, I, I've 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 long held you must love what you do day to day. You must wake up excited about what you're about to embark upon and you know charting you know my i do not depend on investing uh, to live otherwise we'd be having this conversation in a cemetery um i but it's a it's a it's a great great passion of mine i i i am endlessly it's more fun when the market's down but listen if i didn't love this to pieces i i would have quit long time ago yeah.
0: well uh you know what listen one thing i will guarantee you and you can write this down markets will be down one day
1: yeah. Yeah. Maybe even in our lifetime. It's but, possible. But, well, it's, it's a little scary. I got to level with you because, you know, I am a student of history and I, I love politics and history and all the rest of it. And, you know, uh, I sound like the crazy man in the park again, but seriously, I, I things by the end of 2025, certainly, Something enormous has got to take place. I just think things are coming to a gigantic head. And yes, the government can forestall the inevitable for a while, but it's only going to make things worse. Well, I mean, you just
0: we could just sit here and list headwinds. Now, I'm not suggesting these headwinds are important as earth-shattering or they're unimportant. But, uh, you know, so far they've been able to be papered over with paper money. And I mean, we could name headwinds like you know the potential for a massive Middle East conflict, which is happening, by the way, and uh, you know still oil's not really resolving. Uh, you know, situation Taiwan, Taiwan, Philippine, you know, let's call it Asia uh, conflict. Uh, the 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 basic uh, uh, lack of any kind of clear well, well, the, the bankruptcy of, essentially of the EU. Right? I mean, we could name a hundred different things. Forget about it. global warming, global cooling, whatever, whatever. All these yeah. things, you know. This, it's, well, it-
1: the the other thing about it, you know, you and I have done this for a very long time. We read a tremendous amount. We've studied this, and I'll speak for myself. I barely know what's going on. Of course, I mean, yeah. E- even the whole like the whole Fed plumbing thing. Uh, the 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 uh, the uh, the uh, what's it called? Uh, repo reverse repo. Oh. Oh, uh, come BTFP on. Right. on and on and on. I have I have studied, read, thought about this like you know understanding like that plumbing. I do not again. Maybe I'm just not the sharpest tack. I don't get it at all. I should get it. It's incredibly important. We live in an, an amazingly complex
0: world, and people who do this for a living. Speaking for myself again. I don't know, Jack. But that's the point. That's the beauty of using charts. You don't have yeah. to know all the ins and outs of when the Fed is doing a, a reverse repo operation uh, that's less or more than, or when, you know, you have a bond auction that goes this way or that way and the direct versus indirect buyers. Or, in yeah. fact, uh, you know, a company is doing a secondary and what is that? It doesn't matter. Yeah. None of that matters because you can yeah. see it visually. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, you're right. That's, that is a sacred truth.
0: You know, and then and 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 then we'll take it one step further. For the purist, you look at a chart, the best thing you could ever do, you know this, is just take the name of the stock off of the chart. Yeah. Get stock charts, look at them. Doesn't matter what their name if you're a if you're a purist in the technical analysis side, right? Yeah. And just and just overlay what you do and then make a decision determined on that. Uh, and then that's how you can sharpen your saw in that realm. Once you put the name of the stock in there, like, oh, 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 oh. Uh-huh. I would yeah. never, I hate Starbucks coffee. There is no way I'm buying that stock. Yeah. Well, that, took, that's, the, you know? that's the
1: hilarious thing because like I, over the weekend, I looked at even more charts than I normally do. And in, there were some stocks, which y- you could put a butter knife on the screen and it would cover every price bar was just up every single year, like endlessly. And it's like, you know, the sort of stocks that have like literally like thousands and thousands of percentage gains, and I would be like, what do these guys do? i look, it's like, they make uniforms. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, I think it was called Cintas. So Cintas, of often, course, like,
0: Cintas. I love, yeah, yeah, great company. And so
1: often they would be the most pedestrian, boring things. You know, part of it's because uniform makers can have a PE of 50 in this market. But it's like, you know, these are not like a biotech firm that cured all cancer. No, they, they make nurses' uniforms.
0: You want to hear something interesting? I was just, I just wrote somebody's this for, for a reason. The number two position in our uh, portfolio, our equity trading portfolio for clients, this year is a company called um, Janus, Janus uh, International. What is Janus International, you may ask, right? No, it is not the company that does the stocks and bonds. Th- they do storage. Storage. Uh, like, like like public storage? Yeah, does? storage and industrial, uh, you know, movement of things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well yeah as a, as a, as I'm a, talking about a, 30% in the last like month and a half.
1: That's amazing. As a customer of storage I I've, I've said this is an incredible business model business. because if people are anything like me it's like you store it and it's like I never want to deal with this again and right. you just dutifully pay it every month and so in in, in you turn back and say I've
0: spent $10,000 storing a bunch of old pots and pans. You know, <laughs> but that's a great, actually it is a great industry because not only do you get the storage, but you get the rent from it to pay for. You're sitting on land that one day, hopefully you turn over to somebody who wants to buy a, you know, build a, a yeah. 40, 40 story tower.
1: Yeah. The, the the most incredible businesses are so dull. That Simple. They just, they print money. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Well, Tim Knight, uh, dare I say the Black Knight. Uh, ah, the Red Knight. <laughs> the Red Knight. Uh, if a slope of Hope, how else can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, that's really the best way. Just
1: slopeofhope.com. Uh, we're in our uh, 19th year now, uh, so re- real survivors in this market. And you know, just joking aside, slope is slope is all about charting. Y- you will find nothing in there dedicated to bearishness or bullishness. It's about charting. It just so happens that I run the place, so people are like, oh, it's a permable a perm bear site. But um, yeah, it's uh, if you like charts, you should check it out. Slopeofhope.com. And uh, I'm also um, Tom Sosnoff, uh, the great uh, yeah. uh, uh, Tom Sosnoff uh, of uh, Think or Swim fame, of course, now Tasty Live fame. Uh, I, I've had a program on Tasty Live um, ever since um, they started, so they can check me out on there as well.
0: Okay, great. Okay, well, uh, we will uh, reconvene hopefully before the next decade.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what? And during this entire conversation, the market slipped a little bit. Oh, there you go. You were, right. you were right. You were right. Yeah, let's keep talking. Let, let's drive this sucker down to 3,000 on the ES. yeah. I'll see all you right, soon, well, it's been a lot of fun. It's right. been a kick. To- we, we could talk
0: all day. All right. Thanks, Tim. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right, thank you. Right. Bye. Now, how do you like that? We talk about a lot of things on this show, right? But really getting down and deep into the individual psychology about, about investing, about how it is that some people could be Bullish all the time. Some people can be embarrassed. And and by the way, make monies in different ways. Invest in different ways, but outcomes that are hopefully still very profitable. The fact of the matter is, though, when I look back and I think about all the things that we just talked about, what resonates to me is the reality that having a single-minded outlook that does not change and you do not allow it to change may not be in the best interest of anybody, whether you're an Uber this or an Uber that. One side sticking to it without the ability to be flexible probably is not the best thing to be when you're investing. Just something to think about. Well, thank you so much again for joining me as you do each and every week. We have a great list of of guests lined up over the next several months, actually. So stick around, stay tuned. Because we're going to be here all over again next week. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you then. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as the sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.